It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 16th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, the big battle happened over in France as France took on Montenegro. We'll talk about uh, what I what I was able to glean from the box score as well as watching some highlights of Evan Fournier's French team taking on Nikola Vucevic and Montenegro. There's definitely some things to take from those games, but also you know plenty of grains of salt to take as well. We'll break down what happened over in Lyon. I believe it's in Lyon. Uh, as France prepares, as France and Montenegro both prepare for the World Cup, uh, U.S. team is in Anaheim, out in Los, An- out in the Los Angeles area, getting ready for their trip for their next set of games. They're playing Spain on Friday night. We'll talk a little bit about that game as well coming up, and then we'll kind of take another global look at this team and talk about what the next steps are for the Orlando Magic and kind of what the you know. And I'm sure we'll repeat this as the offseason goes on, as we get closer and closer to the regular season what the big goal, what the big picture goal is for the Orlando Magic and really what will make this season uh, a success or, or what that what sort of that success looks like. Um, as I do think that that there is there are varying levels levels of success that they can happen this year, but we'll talk a little bit about that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast for every single team in the NBA that covers the team with the same level of care and detail that you find here on Locked on Magic with a local expert that knows their team best. Want to get the lowdown on any team in the NBA? Check those podcasts out. Search for Locked on and the team you're looking for. You can also check out Locked on NBA as well as Locked on Fantasy Basketball to get you set for your fantasy basketball seasons. Speaking of fantasy, it is fantasy football season. Week two of the preseason started up on Thursday. The Jacksonville Jaguars offense is still missing. Most of them are on the bench, actually, so they're not playing. But but if you want the edge on your fantasy football team, definitely check out Locked On Fantasy Football. Vinny Iyer has you covered with 20 years covering fantasy, fo- covering fantasy football on the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else. You won't have an advantage if you do. Get the edge you need from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Locked on Fantasy Football can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Check it out today to get yourself set for Locked on for the fantasy football season, as well as check out the other great podcasts on Locked on Podcast Network, whether it's football, NFL, football, obviously NFL, MLB, colleges, and the NBA too. You can find them all on the Locked on Podcast Network. It's your team every day. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We are inching closer and closer and closer to actual competitive basketball being played. Uh, Obviously, some bad news coming out of Los Angeles with DeMarcus Cousins tearing his ACL in a workout, uh, which reminds you of the risks of playing basketball at any point of the calendar year. But we are inching closer to competitive basketball, high-level competitive basketball, with the FIBA World Cup starting on August 31st. As I mentioned, Team USA is in the Los Angeles area right now. They've been training, I believe, at the Lakers facility. Uh, They'll play the Spanish team, which is actually one of the teams that could take that gold medal from them. They'll play Spain uh, in the Honda Center in Anaheim at 10 o'clock. That game will be on NBA TV if you're interested in seeing what Team USA looks like. Uh, And interestingly enough, Team USA selected a new select team um, made up of mostly kind of the G League guys that helped help Team USA qualify for the World Cup uh, throughout the course of the season. That included Daquan Jeffries. So Daquan Jeffries not only getting the chance to play for the Magic, but also getting uh, getting uh, um, an invite to the select team and training with Team USA uh, over the past couple days, um, including a, a sort of now famous scrimmage where the select team full of G League guys beat Team USA. Um, I sometimes think that those, those stories are, are made for more narrative purpose and uh, and and I, I sometimes think that that the coaches are purposefully trying to make it really hard on Team USA to win. But, you know, who knows? They, they won the game. Uh, and, and again, once again, proof that this Team USA team can get beat by anyone. I think that's what these kind of scrimmages are, are there to remind them. And the select team in Vegas, that included Jonathan Isaac, supposedly and reportedly held their own against Team USA. But when the lights came on in that exhibition game, Team USA took care of business very handily, as, as you would expect. And, and that's kind of what we're expecting to see here. So the U.S. taking on Spain on Friday night at the in Anaheim should be a good game. Uh, you know, really interesting to see how this team stacks up for however long Spain decides to try in this game, uh, heading into uh, heading into the World Cup. Uh, from there, uh, USA the U.S. team will head to Australia. They'll play Australia a few times. They'll play Canada once. That includes Ken Birch. Um, so we'll get to see Team USA play a few more times here uh, over the course of the next few weeks before the World Cup begins on August 31st. The other teams that we're keeping an eye on are uh, still kind of scattered throughout the world. Nigeria was in Canada last week uh, for a few, few exhibition games. But France is hosting a four-team tournament that began today or began on Thursday and will run through the weekend. France, Argentina, Brazil, and Montenegro. Take uh, playing in this four-team kind of round-robin tournament. They're, you know, again, these are all teams that are going to be in the World Cup. They're not going to show a ton of their hands. They're not going to, uh, you know, it's an exhibition game. They know that these games are not the ones that count. And so, predictably, you're going to see some some funky things. You're not going to see the team kind of playing uh, necessarily at their best right now. And, and teams in Europe tend to treat these friendlies a little different than Team USA does. But France taking on Montenegro, and Montenegro showed itself well. Uh, Montenegro actually had the lead, taking a, a lead 
in the in the uh, 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 sorry, excuse me, taking a seven point lead at the halftime break and leading for much of this game. They were a really interesting team. I was able to watch some highlights from the game. They moved the ball really, really well. They used Nikola Vucevic in a very similar way that the Magic do, uh, using him as a screener, as a roller, as a high post passer. Uh, and they found a lot of success against this French team. Um, you know, uh, you know, not any like singular scores. Nikola Vucevic tied for the team lead in scoring with 12 points. He played only 26 minutes, 10 rebounds as well for him, plus an assist, a really nice assist on a cross-court pass. He ended up committing five fouls as well. So not the best game for Nikola Vucevic, and I think that deserves mention. He shot only five for 14 from the floor, one for four from beyond the arc. So not his best game. And, and I would say this, from the highlights I watched, Vucevic looked like he was willing to be more aggressive off the bounce and was willing to kind of try and take Rudy Gobert off the dribble and drive to the basket. Um, and, 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 you know, that's actually, I think that's really good. He, he looks he looks really fit. He looks really kind of mobile, at least on the ball. And I think that's a good thing. I, I will say this. Um, I, I As I was watching him play, and again, I only saw some highlights I, I don't think he was particularly engaged defensively, and that might be by design. I don't think he was trying to get physical and and try, and again, I, I think that's a criticism of Vucevic's face that he doesn't get physical enough, but I don't think that when you know a player came to the basket or came through the lane, he was necessarily challenging them, and I don't think it was uh, something for, I don't think that challenge was a, a lack of skill. Uh, he was. There were plays that I know he can make, or at least contest. I think what we saw instead on Thursday from Nikola Vucevic was sort of a player playing not at half speed, but like sixty or seventy percent speed. And honestly, in an exhibition game, you know, I know that European coaches like to kind of keep things hidden. I'm okay with that. Um, I'll post the highlights on Orlando Magic Daily. You'll be able to watch them. On online uh, uh, through through there, um, the, or the highlights that I found at least, um, and I, I would say that you know this game was more about getting everyone else involved and getting the rest of his team involved rather than kind of relying on Vucevic and again defensively maybe not you know kind of sticking to full force defensively in this game because you know Montenegro Montenegro is going to struggle uh, in this tournament they're not they're not going to you know they're going to have to fight to get out of the first round. But it just—it's an exhibition game, and and you kind of play. You know, I would say this—the same thing about Jonathan Isaac in in the scrimmage. There were plays that I know Jonathan Isaac can make, where he could slide over and make a play. But there's probably some instruction to you know, if a guy's going up for a dunk or or a guy's coming through the lane at at pretty full speed, don't challenge him. You know, treat it somewhat like an all-star—not an all-star game, but. Uh, but you know, a, a, like a notch above an all-star game, don't don't go crazy. Don't let anyone get hurt. And so that's the kind of. I mean, again, I only saw highlights, so maybe I'm I'm taking a step too far, or making a leap too far, or working on incomplete information. And I'll admit to that. I got the sense watching it that the intensity level from Vooch defensively wasn't where we know it can be, wasn't where Montenegro knows it can be, and they were okay with it, or, or they were. Fine with it. Vucevic only playing 26 minutes. He's going to be up, you know, in a 40-minute game. He's going to be playing a lot more minutes than that. And so I think there was a little bit of pacing that that he was doing. So 
Vucevic's game, I'm not super concerned with. The, the shooting percentage, not great, obviously, at 5 for 14. But I saw some things that I really, really liked from him. Uh, you know, going up against Rudy Gobert, Gobert is a tough player to play against under any circumstance. Um, you know, he ends up play, you know, scoring 17, or sorry, Rudy Gobert uh, ends up scoring eight points, one for three field goals. He got to the foul line for six of 10. So Vucevic fouled him a lot. And, and that part might be concerning, or it might just be a product of not playing particularly hard. I think when you, you foul a lot, when you're not, you know, kind of on point. And so I'll be interested to see how Montenegro plays in their next game. They'll play again on Friday, so we'll keep an eye on that as well. Um, the French side, though, was really interesting because, you know, this is another game now where France has, is playing a, a team that's that's inferior to them. Um, they lost to Turkey in their first exhibition game, and you could kind of wipe, you know, push that aside and say, uh, say you know, Turkey, you know, first, pre- first exhibition game, first friendly, they're, they're still getting their bearings under them, not, not the biggest deal in the world. But Montenegro had control of this game for most of it. Montenegro was playing at a really high level for, for most of this game, and I really was impressed with Montenegro's ball handling. They've got some good guards. Vucevic sets really good screens, and, and as much as Vucevic was kind of down on the defensive end, I thought his offensive intensity looked pretty good, For again, from what I saw. So maybe an incomplete picture. Um, but once again, France found themselves in a bit of a hole. And they really had to fight to get back in the game. A 29-13 fourth quarter. So they outscored Montenegro by 16. They, I think they just simply had the horses to get to the end of the game. They outscore Montenegro by 16 in the fourth quarter to win the game 80-72. to And Evan Fournier honestly did play a big part of this. He finishes the game with 17 points, 7 for 14 shooting, 2 for 6 from beyond the arc, so maybe that's still a concern. Five assists. Four steals, including one on Nikola Vucevic, with France leading by one in about three and a half, four minutes to play in the game. So Fournier made some really nice plays throughout the game. Again, if you, I'll post the highlights on, on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, so definitely check those out. You'll see Fournier doing a lot of really nice things in, in those highlights, both offensively and defensively. Um, I thought that you know his, his passing, his playmaking looks every bit as good as it was last year, which I think is really encouraging because the, honestly, the one thing that's been consistent through the course of these exhibition games that France has played so far is that Fournier's been a four or five assists per game guy. And obviously with France, you know, they got they got some good guards. Uh, Frank Milikina, um started in this game. Uh, Nandy, uh, Nando DiColo is a really good international point guard. Um, you know, he came off the bench though. Uh, they've got they've got some good guards uh, to play in, on this team, but but uh, but Fournier's going to have a big role on this group. He's going to have to make shots, and honestly, in this game, like like I've kind of said about Fournier, he's taking the same kinds of shots that he'll take with the Magic. Coming off of screen and rolls, coming off of cuts, you know, taking a two two dribble into the free throw line, little floater or short jumper, getting to the basket to finish, and he had a couple of those where he got all the way to the basket and finished and, and dunked the ball pretty hard on a few occasions, hitting threes in transition, hitting threes, you know, on spot ups. 
I saw a lot of that in this game, and I think Fournier is going to be really interesting to watch throughout. And again, you just I just want to see that progression continue. I think that's the big thing, seeing the progression continue. And I thought he played well, again, from what I saw. The stats certainly suggest that he played well. Maybe the three-point shooting isn't quite where you want it to be. But he played well. And France, you know, made their comeback, got back into the game with Fournier and Batum and Axel Tupain and Frank Nilakina kind of leading the way in the backcourt. For sure, France, I think, you know, they have some depth, you know, between Vincent, uh, Vincent Poirier at, at, at center or power forward behind Rudy Gobert, uh, Axel Tupain coming off the bench, Nando DiColo possibly coming off the bench, Frank Nilakina. But this team will go as far as Nicholas Patum, Rudy Gobert, and Evan Fournier take them. And they all had their moments in this game. I should mention I'm reading this box score wrong. Nikola Vucevic only one foul in the game. He drew five fouls, if, if it appears. Um, Evan Fournier also drawing five fouls in this game too. So uh, at least if I'm again if I'm reading this correctly. So Fournier I think had the kind of game that you want to see him have for for both for France and for the Magic. And it's going to be interesting to watch him continue to progress and continue to play uh, as this tournament goes on. Tomorrow's action, so on August 16th, Montenegro will play Argentina, followed by France playing Brazil. Brazil defeating Argentina 89-82 earlier in the day. So lots still to go, lots of prep work still to do. It's an exhibition game, so take everything with a grain of salt. We'll see what happens with the games. Really count on August 31st, but... When Evan Fournier and Nikola Vucevic get back from the World Cup, they get back to training camp, Evan Fournier is going to have the bragging rights. And if I know Evan Fournier, he is not going to let Nikola Vucevic hear the end of it. Especially considering Fournier picked Vucevic's pocket on a big play late in that game. So congratulations to Evan Fournier for getting the bragging rights and the hashtag Evan versus Vuce. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Turning back to the Orlando Magic, though, um, it's the, the schedule's out now, obviously, and, and, and I, I think I've made it pretty clear that I think the schedule's very favorable. I think the, the schedule is set up for the Magic to do something pretty special, or to, to look like they're going to do something special. Um, that the, a chance to gain confidence early in the season and kind of build a cushion and start from the from the front of the pack, rather than having to chase and, and make a crazy run to get in. And and even then in March, if the Magic can you know get through, if the Magic can get off to a fast start, if the Magic can get through their December and January, their February and March will help them kind of build up that capital again. And so I think Orlando is in a good position to make a really nice run. On ESPN.com, 
they ran their they ran their real plus minus stat to make their predictions for the season. And they placed the Magic fourth based on a real plus minus, which loves Nikola Vucevic and loves Alfred Camino. So it's a stat that has a, that has some flaws. I, I think some, a lot of people uh, uh, people wonder what's really in that number and what's in that stat. And so I think there are some questions about it. But uh, but undoubtedly, the Magic finishing fourth in any prediction that's based on any statistic of of note is intriguing. Is interesting. Five thirty eight, if I'm not mistaken, has the Magic finishing sixth, and both give the Magic better than a fifty percent chance of making the playoffs. In fact. It feels like every major, at least statistical prediction, or every major prediction that, that that I've seen pretty much has the Magic in the playoffs. Now, obviously, last year, just making the playoffs in and of itself was considered a success. As as much as, as it was frustrating to watch the Magic go out in five games the way they did in that first-round series, it felt like gravy. The 2019 season was an unmitigated, undoubted success. Period. Full stop. And so now comes the next question. Now comes the difficult question. How do you define success in 2020? How do you define success for this upcoming season? What are the next steps for the Orlando Magic? I fielded these questions throughout the season. I fielded these questions really throughout the offseason still. You know, even mentioning that the Magic feel like they're in line to be a six seed again raises the doubts or raises the, the, the fears of getting stuck in the so-called treadmill of mediocrity. What is the treadmill of mediocrity? The treadmill of mediocrity, at least how I will define it, is a team that is good enough to make the playoffs, but not good enough to fight for one of the higher seeds. Not good enough to really be a contender. And to many, to many people, it is the worst place in the NBA to be. I would, I would disagree with that. I think the worst place to be in the NBA is perpetually the tenth or eleventh seed. A, a team like Washington is in a really bad spot. A team like. Charlotte, until last year, was in a really bad spot because they weren't ever going to take that next step up. And they didn't have the kind of guarantee of making the playoffs. I'll say this after six years of missing the playoffs, give me the playoffs every year. That doesn't sound so bad. So I would I would argue to those concerned about being stuck in the, in the so-called treadmill of mediocrity, the important piece to this puzzle at the moment. The important piece to this puzzle is to have a path forward. Is to have a way to get better, to get to that next level. And that's where the Magic are at today. The Magic are at that point where A, I've kind of said this year, last year was proof of concept, this year, the Magic have to make the playoffs again to prove that that they're at least at that quote-unquote mediocre level. And again, like I said, give me mediocre over lottery bound every day of the week. Especially with a team this young. The measure of success in the 2020 season 
is not simply making the playoffs anymore. That's the expectation. That is the baseline expectation. If you want this season not to be considered a failure, you have to make the playoffs. Missing missing the playoffs is failure this year. That's the expectation. That's the standard. It isn't some high-in-the-sky thing. We know this team can make the playoffs. I don't care how much the East has changed because it really hasn't, as I, as I described yesterday. The Magic are a playoff team, and anything less than that is failure. But success, but true success, is showing signs that you're ready to reach the next level. I remember this statement very, very clearly. At the end of the the 2015 season, when Scott Skiles was the head coach, excuse me if I got the year wrong, but at the end of the year that Scott Skiles was the coach, there was undoubtedly disappointment. The Magic went 19-13. and 13. They seemed set to end their playoff drought. They, they looked like they had their path forward with Victor Oladipo and, and, and at that point Tobias Harris and, and you know Aaron Gordon stole in his rookie year. It looked like they had figured things out. And I remember, and, 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 and while that season ended in disappointment and, and the front office made some very crucial errors to set up that next summer, going from 25 to 35 wins, considering where the Magic were, it felt like the season was still a success. The team realized they didn't reach their potential. They should have understood and, and you kind of wish that the Magic had kept that group together at, at that point. They should, they should have, and that includes the front office, understood they would have to do more to reach their goal. But it was very clear that their goal was achievable. Again, there was that path forward. And a 10-win improvement was a good step. Orlando being in the playoff hunt as deep as they, as they went into the season with it was a good step. They were a young team that couldn't recover from a really bad month. And then, you know, front office, the front office intervened and made some critical errors. So we'll never know what that team could be. But I remember Scott Skiles, when, when, we, when we asked him, and I may have asked a question, I remember. When, when he was asked about that 10-win improvement, Scott Skiles isn't one to celebrate like little moral victories like that. And that's one of the reasons we appreciated him. He said at that point, getting from 25 to 35 wins is the easy part. There's not much difference between the 25 and 35 win teams. It's getting from 35 to 45, that's the hardest part. It's getting from on the fringes of the playoffs to a consistent playoff team, to a contending playoff team. That's actually harder. That next 10 wins is the difficult transition. And that's the transition the Magic are trying to make now. They won 42 games last year. How do they get to winning 50? How do they get to winning, not even, 50 is kind of the round number, but 47, 48, 49 wins. In the Eastern Conference, that gets you home court advantage. And clearly, the numbers and the statistics seem to believe the Magic can achieve that goal. Will they? Is another question. In order to get to that step, 
it's going to take a few things. Like I said, the point of the season is is to make the playoffs, but to show a clear path forward, a clear way that they will continue to get better. The one reason to believe the Magic's 2019 playoff trip wasn't some fluke, wasn't some flash in the pan, is that there is the promise of so many players getting better. Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier are probably in their primes. DJ Augustine probably in the tail end of his. Terrence Ross in his prime. And so the future of this team really relies on Aaron Gordon, 23 years old, coming off perhaps his best all-around season of his career, taking the next step. Jonathan Isaac, 21 years old, taking the next step. And then, of course, you've got Mo Bamba and Markel Fultz, two extremely talented players who could contribute something to this group. This season is about figuring out just how much forward those players can take this team. And how we answer those questions at the end of the 2020 season is going to determine the next steps or whether this season was a success or not. If they all kind of stagnate and the Magic get a 7 or 8 seed again, that will tell us something. That, you know, these are nice players. It's not that they're bad players. But the Magic, to get to the next step, will probably have to inject something into the team. If the Magic get a 6 seed, a 5 seed, even a 4 seed, they're likely doing that because Aaron Gordon took a leap up in his game. Or Jonathan Isaac took a leap up in his game. Or Markel Fultz start, you know, started to show contours of who he could be. All those, thi- all those things possibly happening is what will propel the magic forward. And even hints of those things happening on a consistent basis. Even if the Magic don't get that four seed, even if the Magic end up a six seed, having hints and showing those signs of promise will make the season a success. It's no secret Orlando still lacks a top-end star. It's no secret Orlando may not even have a consistent all-star yet. Nikola Vucevic made his first all-star team, and some people might debate that, debate that he should have been on the team in the first place. That obviously should have been. But is anyone going to pick Nikola Vucevic to be back on the All-Star team again this year? The path forward is defining who that next star is. It could be Vucevic. I don't know. It's about The path forward is about showing that this team can continue to get better. That they're not at the peak of who they are certainly doesn't feel that way, but you know it has to be admitted, it could be. Last year could be the peak. Last year could be a flash in the pan. And so the real measure of success in 2020 is about how this team continues to evolve and move forward. 
The results matter. They're proof of this evolution. But it is about still what happens next, what happens down the road. Maybe this team doesn't have championship potential as as far as we understand it. But they certainly have the potential to keep growing and keep getting better. And that's worth continuing to explore and invest in. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr_omd. Find the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. As well, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me again on Twitter at philiprr_omd. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We're currently polling on on the Orlando Magic Daily Twitter account at omagicdaily. We're looking for the most underappreciated player in Orlando Magic history. We're doing kind of a rolling poll to get the fan input and their vote uh, to help us make our final list. Uh, we'll be we'll be uh, posting a new poll up to up later today. But check out at omagicdaily. Make sure you vote and leave a comment on who you think is the most underappreciated player among the polls. We may use your comment in our uh, in our recap section as our polling continues. Definitely check that out and participate and interact with the show. Um, that's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 